0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sim Sunday's Podcast. Another week, another week of exciting news. How
1: are you guys doing? Great, how about you? Good, good. George, dramatic week? I'm very good. I feel a lot better since our last show, which is good. Um, Recovered from my horrendous cold, or whatever it was. I, I don't know. It was just a blur, but yeah,
0: it's good. I was impressed that you survived that episode. Like You arrived into the uh die recording studio <laughs> <really>. <laughs> <laughs> But you power through man, it's a sign of a true yeah. a true professional. Thank you. All right.
2: Mr. Random Cool sign, what do you bring to the table this week? Good news. Um, um IndyCar is back at iRacing. That's uh, I think it's uh one of the best news well, well the years just started, but it started with a pretty good piece of news, which is finally uh, I racing being with um, with IndyCar again, um, and uh, also this translates into another bigger point, which is exclusivity rights on racing games. Mm. Um, so on a good part is that now it is more open to everybody. We have a product that we can test. We have a series that we can use that had uh, plenty of good racing, plenty of good splits and also plenty of good championship and special events so that is open to a bunch of people and uh, the other point i want to make is about the exclusivity rights in sim racing titles um that uh, they actually need to serve a vast majority of people mm-hmm. I understand why some, some of the series want to have just to be in a place. Uh, I think exclusivity rights can work in that as long as it is open and they have a product that is, uh, usable, but unlike Porsche that had exclusivity rights with the, with E for a long, uh, a long number of years, that means that you, nobody else could use the, the moniker Porsche unless in very specific circumstances.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, um. It's interesting because obviously IndyCar has had a bit of a, a rough time in the gaming world. It hasn't been smooth mm-hmm. sailing, um, which has always been a shame because I've always seen IndyCar as a real opportunity to merge oval racing and road racing. I have to admit, I've done very little oval racing. I tried a little bit. Um, we had uh, Jeff McConey of McConey Saab Shop. If you're into your oval racing and dirt racing, you've probably heard of him. Um, he came on the show maybe a year ago, um, and we actually did some racing uh, during the show, and we did some mobile racing, and I really enjoyed it, really, really enjoyed it. It was dirt, dirt oval, um, but I have to admit I have never done anything since. So the idea of an iRacing series, which is con- going to combine oval and road, I think is, I think it's good for kind of merging those two communities, and I think everyone can agree that it being on iRacing, you can infer that. IndyCar is now in safe hands.
2: Yeah. That, that's a um, a big point, I think, because iRacing always had a good report with uh, consumers by using pretty much every single license that they take. Uh, I, generally, it is in very good hands. Mm. Like it yeah. or not, iRacing, I think they do an excellent job of maintaining the player base more or less happy, even if there are some issues with it. Uh, that sometimes happen in special events because you know ten thousand fifteen thousand people try to to go to special event races but generally it is very well taken care of and it, it's very it it shows respect to the community and it shows respect also to the license they are using yes. so I I thought when it moved to msg that it felt very disingenuous not not only from MSG, well, MSG was doing its job, but for from IndyCar, why move mm. when everybody is already had a good time with it and going forward, there was nothing telling them that it, it would be bad, mm. you know? It mm. felt very self-centered, I guess. So they have to come back a year or two later. Uh, they have to come back.
0: <laughs> Hi, and, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're back here again. have yeah, left. Uh don't know if you've been watching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is good news. It's good news. It's nice yeah. to start start the year with some good news. Um, so talking of quality, um, and I'm going to say good news, but this is just, this is how I'm choosing to um, kind of interpret this news. Forza, Forza Most Sport developers have put out a statement, which you don't have to read between the lines that much to infer. It's essentially them being like, Okay, this launch has not been as successful as we would have liked mm-hmm. because of our failings. Sounds harsh, but I guess it's probably true. There's a lot of devout, and I'll use that word, devout Forza fans who were a bit upset by the the quality. Forza has such a such a a strong fan base, right? It's yep. it's mm-hmm. it's one of the the sim racing titles or, or SimCade, whatever you want to call it that straddles wheel and controller, which means it has a huge audience um, and it's super accessible. Um, and it has you know, the, the car upgrade system that goes through it. So you get some real kind of petrol heads who absolutely love that game. So um, I went and saw the, the preview of the game at Gamescom last year and it looked stunning. I came away thinking, okay, this looks like a beautiful game. If this plays well, it's gonna be a winner. Um, but it just didn't play well. Um, so they released a statement, um, talking about, um, in upgrades that they needed to do to the AI system, uh, the car progression system, uh, and the penalty system. Um, so they're listening to the community. So although you could say, is this a good news story? It's Forza saying that the game isn't that good. Oh, okay. Not that good. It's not that it's not that good. It's obviously a good game, but it's got flaws, right? Um, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking the positive that they've gone to the effort of uh, putting out an official statement rather yeah. than internally being like, okay, community saying they don't like this or like that, let's fix it and put it in the patch notes. And then just, but just not telling the community, okay, put our hands up. We didn't get this quite right, but we're going to put a concerted effort into fixing these things that you've told us you want. Um, you know, they've, they've gone to the effort of putting a statement out. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good news story. And I'd like to see more studios following suit when. The community is crying out uh, about the issues with their beloved um, racing games,
2: F1. I hope this is a more of a No Man's Sky kind of approach, mm. Yes. because uh, yes. uh, Forza, they probably at Turn 10, they're, they're looking at it, and they, they have more information than us with uh, with the player base that is still playing, and we don't have any uh, view view of what is happening in Microsoft Store and Xbox. But in Steam, the the drop is brutal, yeah, very very brutal. They have like mm. seven hundred people playing in playing in the which
0: is nuts for Steam. a Microsoft yeah. game. it's not, it's
2: it's nothing. It's literally less than an Armoblista two, and, and this is a yeah. this is a title that is cross platform. I know it's mm. just Steam numbers, and the majority of people will have Microsoft or Xbox. But if you go to Forza Horizon, it, it, it goes to 10,000 people or something like mm-hmm. that. And and it, it feels kind of strange saying that Forza Horizon, the the spinoff is 10, 15, 20 times bigger than the original number of yeah. what Forza is, especially when Forza is such a well-established name already. Mm. The the quality of the product was simply not there since the beginning the the car progression system. Basically, when you have a game, that tells you the best way to upgrade the game or to upgrade the cars to, to do the, to progress the game is not to play the game. It, it tells you, uh, it tells you a very wrong message and that's essentially what happened. You would put all the aids in automatic. You go, you know, go do your stuff, go downstairs, go cook, go clean, go do another hobby. the car will still going around and you're still getting XP for the car without any inputs from you. Mm. So that tells you the wrong idea. Yeah. Uh, the AI is good to, you know, is is good to to play against and needs to be corrected in all the penalty systems, but for me the most important thing at the moment is that they need to fix the progression system. And in and, and sadly the progression system it's one of the easiest things for them to to fix because they have already information from for 3 4 5 6 and 7 and they understand or even Forza Horizon and they understand what the community likes. And they can fix and tweak it according to what they are trying to do as well. Because I understand the the point they they wanted want to make with this, they wanted to make the car feel your own. But at the same time, they kind of gate gate kept every car into a small little gate area, mm. and you can't move your all your efforts, all your grind of three or four hours for just one car. Yeah, and Forza was all always about experimenting.
0: Well, I, it's interesting what you say about the No Man's Sky model, i.e the game is a long-term project and there will be updates and upgrades that react mm-hmm. to how players play the game. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's part of me that wonders if that's always the plan, if that, if that's the direction that studios are going to, and I really hope it is, I think I really hope the studios are moving away from the annual cycle, right? You, you put a game out and then for somewhere between five and 10 years, you're going to iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate and get that game perfect and new content and new systems and, mm-hmm. you know, really, refine the game before after five to 10 years bringing out a new version on a totally new engine which then increases your 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 ceiling in terms of quality yep. that's what i'd like to see but uh, my question is let's say you're the the developer right and you're like the, okay, fours forza most so that's going to be a 10 year project we're going to be working on this we are can bring out content we're going to be constantly iterating and improving on this product now in the tech world When you want to put out a new product, you put out an MVP, right? A minimum viable product. You put out the minimum that you can get away with so that you can start getting data back about which bits of the product are the most important to the users before then doubling down on improving those bits. And you might release something and be like, actually, we weren't expecting this particular feature to be the really popular bit. Uh, but all of our users are saying that that's the bit that they like so we're going to double down on that and actually the bit that we thought maybe that's not as important so i wonder if that's if that kind of tech approach is starting to make its way into games and now games are being released you know earlier than they used to be they're not as refined they're not as polished there's a there's a great phrase that i learned on an accelerator that was um if you're not embarrassed when you release your product you've released it too late now that's that's an extreme take right that's an extreme take especially in the gaming world because gamers have incredibly high standards but i do wonder if it's that that tech approach that's creeping its way into gaming and so studios are right let's get out the minimum product that this is our brand this is this is our storyline this is the type of game it's going to be and see how people react to it and then double down on the bits that people are using the most
2: it's interesting you say that but i don't think forza at this state is a mvp i think it just went the wrong way MVP would be very harsh. I, yeah. I, I meant it's, more the
0: approach. It, <laughs> it just—I
2: I think it has just failed. They—they they just misunderstood what people wanted. They—they they went a, a specific way. They wanted to make a car all about the build itself, and never about the experience of the build mm. or the experience of experiencing multiple cars, and multiple methods of driving. Because Forza was always about imagination more than Gran Turismo. Yeah. Uh, it's always about you picking up a car and do something crazy with it if you want to or you can build something a little more conservative. While Gran Turismo for example, it's just it, it's it's basically a car museum that you can do call, car culture stuff around it. But Forza was always about the the imagination. And when you and when you put a lot of hours behind just the car, they misunderstood what everybody went, uh, what everybody had issues with or what everybody wanted from that title, right? Um, now they're looking at it and, well, we've done wrong. Even if the, the game has many technical issues, I think the most important is basically fixing the that part of the gameplay first so people can actually come at it and oh this is not boring anymore this is not grindy mm.
0: well i'm going to pick it up again in a few months um as soon as we start to see some some rumblings from the community that it's getting better and maybe we're starting to see that nomad sky effect uh, i'm going to pick it up again because i do like those games mm-hmm. well, we're going to move on uh one final topic before we move to league racing news with george morgan um track racer is entering the peripheral market we saw this at the um, sim racing Expo last year and it was even hinted the year before it's been coming for a while obviously it takes a long time to um, to manufacture these these products obviously track racer is known best for its um, cockpits um, but they are bringing out a, a shifter and a set of pedals first and they are showing them off at uh, sim formula Europe event and good luck Andy, uh, this event looks incredible. The list of exhibitors going to this event um, is absolutely incredible. Now, uh, 2022 Sim Racing Expo, um, we saw 3D printed versions yep. of what the peripherals would be. Now, the uh, the race department um, article that I was reading um, that's from uh, Tom Harrison Lord, uh, was talking about the uh, the new peripherals coming out. And it says that they'll all be displayed at the free to attend Symphony Europe event later this week in Maastricht alongside an as yet unveiled direct drive wheelbase, which is interesting. Pricing availability to be announced. We hope to find out further details at the event. What I can't see is whether or not these are going to be working production models or even pre-production models that you'll be able to go and try it, it's not specific so i wonder i wonder if we'll actually be able to use them but it's exciting to see another brand especially like a you know a, um a, a trusted brand if you like a, a brand that's been around the sim, the sim racing market for a while come into this uh, electronics market the um you know it, it's it's arguably getting a little crowded it perhaps, is but it is but Competition is only a good thing for for sim racers. It, it drives each of these companies to keep innovating, keep increasing quality, and keep finding ways of um, keeping the price down. So, you know, it's, um, in my opinion, it's only it's only good news. Um, and I'm excited to see what track racer try to do differently. Um, you know, I know Matt Sten um, quite well, and he's not the sort of guy who likes to just copy everyone else. Um, so there will be something about his product line that is different so i'm excited to see what that's going to be
1: yeah yeah it'll be uh, interesting um no no it's all right i mean i'm it's it's quite crazy how far we have come i mean i remember back years ago i think we only had like two main lines and that was fanatech and thrustmaster that, that kind of covered the market um at one point but now of course we have hoisingveld we have of course various others and you know that have sort of stepped up and uh and you, you know brought new new products to the market but yeah i think track racer is is a name that that has definitely been you know supported and you know embraced by the community uh, for various different things I, I know that they are they're avid sponsors of various league racing events uh, as well as podcasts mm. and, and, and various other things they're actually very involved in the community for a company that we probably don't hear enough about really i think in in, in various ways but mm. th- th- this seems like a very good opportune time right now because things seem to have quietened down obviously vanatech we, we spoke about their problems uh last time on the show and and i think coming at this point you know at the start of a, a brand new year i think um it, it's relatively good timing from track racer to, to release a new product
0: yeah absolutely it was i was reading a tweet this morning from uh gp laps um he's a great great streamer does a lot of um old school historic uh racing on a set of course and streams it um and the tweet was something about it. he was in a micro center which is a you know big uh electronics store in in the u.s and he said that he saw two people buying like a full pc and sim racing rig set up he saw a queue at uh, i think it was uh, people picking the 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 staff were restocking the thrustmaster wheel sections and there was a queue i can't remember the brand he said a queue of people trying out a new wheelbase Mm -hmm. um he said you know i don't know if sim racing is mainstream yet but it's certainly it's certainly starting to to pick up in terms of the number of people that have wheels and pedals so yeah absolutely it's a It'll be an interesting time um for track racer it's interesting where these new companies have come from right because we've had um Assetek, great brand danish brand obviously um you know um, sponsor of the podcast um who out of nowhere released an entire product line of incredible quality like i i've obviously got one behind me i absolutely love it um but then you've also got simagic and moza and they're real disruptors because they come in at a lower price point. But actually, it's not cheap and tacky. It's it's really good quality yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like We had a Simagic um, on our TR, our TrackRacer 180. Um, so TrackRacer racer actually the first sponsor of this uh, podcast last year. Um, and we had the TrackRacer rig in the office and we had a Simagic M10 with a Simagic wheel on it and it felt sturdy, like really sturdy. And we actually swapped it out for a CSL DD at, at one point last year. And it was a real. Like, I love Fanatec, right? But it was a real step down from the M10 to the, to the CSL DD. And I thought, you know what? Just because it's you know it's 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 Moza and Simagic doesn't mean that it's 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 lower quality. So track yeah. racer is coming into a very interesting market where you have SimiCube, Astatec, Fanatec kind of competing for that kind of premium. Maybe Fanatec is slightly more bridged across I think Moser have made the most noise
1: level, if you like. At Moser in my my view have made the most noise uh, in, in a sense that you know the, mm. c- the community seems to be embracing them a whole lot you know they they uh, I hear yeah every, like for instance the drivers in the creator series many of them have plumbed for Moser and Simicube um you know combining the two I, I think they have made a huge impact I think on the market the streamers are using them um so it's it's crazy really how hey the market has shifted um and, and and i would say that a lot of it comes down to the fact that fanatech are having issues with lead times and things of that nature they've almost allowed these other brands to enter the market and 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 kind of hmm. assault on their land really um, at, at this point point. and, and yeah. now yeah. because these wheels right. yeah. are so successful it's it's allowed them to retain a cus- customer and consumer base yeah
0: absolutely and but it's good news Uh, all of this is good news for sim racers because it's just increasing that level of competition so we should see more variety more price points to enter up um i love um i i I realize that you know i've I've made it very clear that aztec is sponsoring this but um aztec's uh hardware line where you can upgrade right so you can start with um the prima and then you could send it in to then get upgraded to the forte send that in to then get invaded, uh, upgraded to the Invictus. so you don't have mm. to buy sell buy sell buy sell every time there's these upgrade packages so it's it's innovations like that that i think this level of competition is is yeah. driving so i'm excited to see track racer um entering this this market that the, their cockpits are absolutely fantastic they get I mean, sim racing you know um right let's move on george what is happening in the world of league racing right now
1: well, PSGL last night, and uh, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic event. We went to Imola uh, for the second round of the championship. Obviously, with F1 Esports taking a, a little bit of a back seat at this current stage. Obviously, PSGL and WR have both been very active in ensuring that league racing still continues, which is great. And Ron is back. Uh, Thomas Ron taking victory mm. again. Uh, at Imola last time out which was uh, you know brilliant for him Uh, and obviously continuing his great vein of form uh, from event one uh, where he would take victory at Bahrain Uh, as well as uh, Yano Watmir chasing down after doing a a very outlandish strategy in a sense that he he boxed so late on his intermediates it was a full wet race uh, right through and uh, Yano despite choosing a strategy that um, you know certainly was vastly different to the rest of the field that, that took part unfortunately just did not quite have uh quite enough to close down freddie rasmussen looked like he was on for the win now, i think this was probably the biggest controversial point of the race rasmussen on for the win he was out in front got a three second time penalty at variante alta uh, that actually took him from top spot in what looked like a surefire win and he was dropped down to third as, as a result so yeah really crazy But Ron Hart does look like he is is back in a rich vein of form. Had a a little bit of a struggle at Portimao uh, in the first round, but has since come back. And um, unfortunately, his teammate Brendan Lee, I think he had his own problems as well. He had um, a few issues at the start, which uh, saw him drop down through the field. I'm sure that we'll see him back when round three rumbles around. But it definitely looks like the two teams, I think to watch in the very early stages, are Sauber and Red Bull uh, Sim Racing. I think those are the two to watch. At this very early stage. Mercedes again in there, and I think with with Danny Beresne, uh, I think now seemingly back to his very best, especially after winning at Portimo last time. I think Mercedes have also got lots of reasons to be excited, um, should we see uh the next round of F one e Sports come through.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. And I and I'm really glad that PSGL and WR uh, and, and, and and others, you know, even the, the smaller the smaller leagues um are picking up the slack from from F one. We did see a uh somebody was sending around um uh a job description yesterday so f1 is looking for a new head of gaming and I do wonder if that's a yeah, distance or not. See that. Based on the
1: <laughs> based on what's been happening.
0: Okay, yeah. so uh thank you uh thank you thank you guys that was that was good. So uh we are now going to be interviewing or I will now be interviewing Nathan Take, head of sim racing at G2 esports. Uh but before I do, guys I'd like to invite you both to send in well I say send in, just
1: tell me now. A question for Nathan. Uh, I'll kick things off if you want. Um, No problem. Um, uh, Obviously, ESL R1, uh, Nathan took, um, you know, sort of an opening, well, a very main role in that in in terms of, you know, sort of plotting the path for G2 esports through the course of that championship right through the year. So I'm very keen to get his thoughts from a manager's perspective on how the ESL R1 championship handout and I want to get his thoughts on the championship because it's a very unique concept in how it was run and I'm very interested to see what a team manager made of it and and his general thoughts around how that series was run. Okay. I will try and I'll try and sum that up for him later <laughs> <Literally, laughs> this podcast. Okay.
2: Random cool sign, you're up. So yeah mine is what do you what does he think about Gunter steiner leaving a house? Just okay, nice. a big new circle. I
0: like it.
2: Hopefully it'll be like everyone else very,
0: very sad. It's a big, uh, it's a big personality loss, and like, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and obviously, we always say this is not an F1 podcast. The world does not need any more F1 podcasts. But Gunter Steiner leaving for me, it, it, it's it kind of hit me yesterday more than I thought it would because I, I think last season in particular was He's the a first year where I wasn't planning my weekends around the F1 right, and I wasn't really. I was, you know, I'd watch the highlights, but I probably didn't watch all the highlights really. I just. The, the, the drama wasn't the storyline just wasn't there for me last year, and I was like, "Come on, this year I'm excited for the first couple of races." This year, let's let's bring it back. Let's get that that excitement back into F1. Yeah. Um, and Günther started leaving, he's like, "Ah, oh, it's all about the personalities, that's a big personality gone." So I don't know. I, I remain
2: hopeful for this season i want to but, see Wintersteiner again man i i want to, i
1: want to him to have like a really big yacht not just a small boat <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah it's bad news for drive to survive as well uh for the fans of that because obviously that's a big ah. face uh that's gone so mm. yeah yeah rip netflix unfortunately <laughs> I forgot that yeah on that one, but, well yeah.
0: i mean we're gonna get him in uh that's a good point actually the drive to survive for last season presumably is coming out as some but do you know what i haven't Last year, I counted down the days to Drive to Survive to come out, as I did the year before and the year before that. And this year, uh, until you just mentioned it then, I, I hadn't thought about it once. So, um, no. yeah, we'll have to, have to watch it. But it'll be the last one with to Steiner, so I we'll have to do a watch party. All right, guys,
1: thank you very much. Appreciate your time, and we'll thank see you very next very week. Thank you. See you. Yeah, see you, see you guys. Whoa, 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 Tom.
0: Before we actually get into the actual interview, I have to say we do actually have a website it's called grid finder and if you haven't checked out grid finder yet well you need to check it out if you're looking for any sim racing leagues, sim racing communities to start or necessarily join head over there you can find everything you need nathan welcome to the show our first ever repeat guest how are you i'm really good thank
3: you um yeah i mean a bit of a an interesting year in 2023 since we, we we last caught up but um yeah yeah i'm good i'm uh you know for better or worse still extremely excited about sim racing and being a part of uh, uh of this kind of circus that we've got going on so yeah it'd be good to catch up yeah i, I mean for back
0: if all you're, you're more than welcome i'm intrigued to hear everything you have to say about sim racing from uh, the last year. Well, it's been about 18 months, I think, since uh, since you were on the show, but it has been an interesting 18 months. And it's been an interesting 18 months for a number of reasons. And I think the esports, and specifically the LAN events that have been happening, uh, have caught uh, a lot of people's attention for, for good and for, for bad. And you've been in the mix pretty much the whole time. So quick recap for those who don't know, because ordinarily on this podcast, we go through the whole story of somebody's life, basically, like how what their first kind of touch point was with with online racing and gaming and then how that kind of snowballed into usually a career as either um uh, an esports driver or a team manager or you, you work at a manufacturer like track racer or Aztec or Fanatech or, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, or you're a streamer like so so that's usually what we do in this podcast. Um however with you know with with, with yourself we've already done that. So if you've not listened to Nathan's um podcast episode i think it is the third one we ever did so you'd have to scroll all the way back uh, and you see the first episode we ever did with random cool sign second one with matt Sten from track racer i believe that you're number three and in that episode we go through basically your whole life story um so yeah do check that out if you've not uh, seen it but for now nathan you are head of sim racing at g2 esports and team manager for the red bull racing esports team so you have been in the mix What's yeah. been the highlight of your la- of your last, <laughs> your last eighteen months? Let's start there. Yeah, um, I mean,
3: uh, from uh, an esports level, it has to be Sport coming out of uh, you know the shadows, and um, you know R one, uh, backed by ESL. That 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 kind of uh, has taken up a huge amount of my time over the last year. Um, so that that sticks out as a as a highlight for me. Um but then also i think just the general kind of movement of sim racing um mm-hmm. there's been a lot uh of kind of side stories i guess that have been developing over you know the 18 months since we last spoke you know motorsport games f1 sim racing uh you know lots of uh uh lots of things that i think we anticipated would be in a very different spot than they are as we speak so yeah a bit of a, a mixed bag over the last uh, the last year in particular for me
0: yeah. Well let's start with uh ESL R One. So ESL R One, we've token we've talked we've spoken about it extensively on this show. So most listeners will know exactly what ESL R one is. But you have a very interesting perspective because no doubt you knew about uh ESL R one and you knew more details about Rensport than most people did, well ahead of these details coming into the public domain. So what what was it like in the very early days when you were starting to get a bit of information about this new game called sport and esl r1 and this 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 kind of sim racing on a whole new level what was it like being inside that inner circle i think obviously it's exciting um it's easy to get
3: swept up in that excitement sometimes and kind of not see things for what they are but at the same time i don't i don't think i've ever got to that point with with rentsport uh, or, or r1 i think it was kind of frustrating in a way to have to see so much but be able to say so little because mm, yeah uh, you know at that point the the narrative is driven by people that don't really have all of the information or all of the answers um and you know that that at certain points the i got a bit out of control i would say um you know i what do, what do you mean by that got out of control <laughs> i think the way I've explained it to a lot of people is it was like having a, a really cool playground. You know when you're a kid, like eight, nine, ten <laughs> yeah. years old, and you're walking past the playground, there's loads of kids playing inside. It's got everything. It's got the swings, it's got the slides, it's got a roundabout, people are going really fast. But you can't go in. So you're watching everybody play, but you cannot go in. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you being excited to play with all those other children turns to resentment towards those children and the park itself. You don't want to yeah. be a part of it. You hate it. Despite the fact that you've never been in, you hate it, and that's that's Transport in a nutshell. Um, for for people that never got their hands on the beta in that early stage, um that initial excitement because you know Transport is something to be excited about. I've, I've spent enough laps on it, watched enough of it. It is a genuinely exciting project that can go to a really nice place. um But when you deny a lot of people that are interested in it the opportunity to give that a try for themselves, mm. you, you know you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot at that point. So yeah that that, that's what i kind of mean by that like the narrative then at that point is
0: it's not necessarily factual it's driven a lot by emotion Hmm. so when you were getting the 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 first bits of information kind of trickling in about sport, what it was going to be what the project was about what the kind of its usp was were you from the beginning in the camp of oh my god this is amazing If they get this right this will be the future of sim racing or did you ever have reservations um i think you have to have a pragmatic
3: approach to everything in in management because uh, again it's a similar scenario if you you know emotively led you end up making silly decisions um but i think it really helped for us very early on that we got hands-on with the game before um before kind of the, the the circus around R1 started, we played mm-hmm. Rensibor, Um with with no strings attached really. It was just come down and see what you think of it. Um, and when I first sat down to to give it a go at that point for an alpha, it was extremely impressive. It was obviously it had its kind of quirks and its foibles, but uh, I thought to myself, you know, we're, we we could be onto something with this, but. You know, ESL and R1 and things like that came way further down the line. Um, so it was, it was a, it was an odd process to be honest. Like RenSport initially was just come and try, it, see what you think of it. Do you like it? And then it very quickly accelerated into this is what the plan is. Uh, and, you know, there was a huge operation in the background from a GT perspective in terms of actually even applying for R1 because that wasn't given. Mm. There's a lot of very very big teams and organisations that missed out on that um and before you know it you're competing so it was kind of a whirlwind from that
0: point it must be quite um challenging um, as a team manager so you, you know you started in the in the, the forza world and you kind of grew your expertise over time and and you had yourself you you kind of built yourself into this position where you were the subject matter expert on online racing at a competitive level because you'd been in that game for so long um and then obviously Baloche and G two and, and you know you you were kind of you were operating among games that you knew and you had experience of and you you know you you'd been inside those games for a long time so had really deep intrinsic understandings of it. What were the additional challenges that you faced as a team manager setting up a team for a game that you had hardly touched? There's a lot to consider, honestly. Um, I think. You know, in
3: terms of actually just the, the, the core of creating a competitive team, um, there's obviously different philosophies. So you'll notice that some teams went down the route of transitioning uh, existing drivers in their roster over to mm. Sport. There's some teams that uh, predominantly went for iRacing racing both rosters, some teams that dipped into the Assetto quarter market. I think the challenge was trying to figure out who would transition the best. Um, And to be honest with you, I'm sat here uh, after a year of of Rensport and I still don't know the answers to that question. I think it's actually more based on the individual rather than the title that they come from. Mm. Um, But then obviously you factor in that as soon as people heard about Rensport and R1, um, the market expectations and values of drivers went crazy. Um, You've got a huge amount of large organizations entering the the party that went there before. Um, that have, uh, you know, sizable budgets and, and expectations. Uh, and so that, that whole process actually of getting together a competitive scene was very difficult. We were very fortunate at the time to have a, a close relationship with Red Bull because that, um, yeah, that, that really, that really helped to elevate us to, uh, you know, a mm. decent performance level this year or, or last year. Keep, keep forgetting we've, uh, we, we've had a new year. Yeah. Um yeah there's, there's honestly so much to consider i feel like i'd, I'd maybe sit here and, and talk for about 20 minutes on on kind of all of the things that maybe go through my mind when trying to put together a competitive like a competitive roster i think a really good example is gamers eight in the middle of the year mm. uh, in the fact that you know we would had an okay spring season it wasn't really you know the expectation to, to finish in sixth um but it's a new title so you can be forgiven for you know having a, a slow start. um, But we had an opportunity to field an all-star team, basically. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's, um, who do you move aside? Do you move anyone aside? Or do you stick with people that have raced on the game for a while in favor of people that will have two weeks to practice? Or, you know, those kind of things. So there, there, there really is no, no clear... You know this is the best case scenario or best way to put Mm. it together i think it's all based on experience and loads of different factors as you're kind of plotting your way through things which i'm currently doing at the moment as well
0: well i can imagine it seems like the the last year at least the pace at which sim racing is developing sim racing as an esport as well as as a gaming sector has really increased things are changing really fast and you're having to deal with transitions all the time um for those who don't don't know or don't understand or have seen a little bit tell us about the uh relationship and changing relationship between uh Redline G2 Red Bull etc and 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 how you've had to manage that
3: yeah so i think obviously we've had a, a fantastic partnership with Red Bull for a, a number of years um you know we've worked with them in what's known as a white label basis. So mm. basically uh Red Bull trusts G two to deliver their program for them, uh, uh from a competitive standpoint and you know, I think we we had a really good uh you know time of it over those, you know, four, four and a half years. Um I think the difficulty that we always had and that we always understood was that uh unfortunately Max has his own uh esports team and uh you know when it came to renewing that deal um mm. You know as soon as max heard about that kind of scenario you know, uh, there's not a lot you can do in that situation um so i i'm proud of you know what we achieved with with red bull uh over that period you know we we won uh, f1 esports as constructors twice we won porsche esports super cup you know we did a huge amount with with that roster and i'm very proud of you know what i took on from nils because it wasn't all me by any means mm. uh and, and what redline have taken away from me i think you know We've done a really nice job over the last couple of years of developing the drivers, not just as drivers, but as, as human beings. And you know, I'm very proud of people like Freddie, for example, who have really come out of their shell. Um, mm. uh, and Sebastian, who's added so many feathers to his cap, I don't think there's much room on it. So <laughs> I, I, I will miss that team a lot. But yeah, as things stand, obviously G2 now no longer work with Red Bull Racing, which can be confusing for some because we are still yeah.
0: partnered with Red Bull. Yeah uh it's a very it's a very there's a lot of very blurred lines in there about who is responsible for what which individuals are kind of straddling both um yeah but i guess that's the nature of a early market Uh, and what i mean by that is is esports and sim racing right
3: yeah i I guess so and i think a little bit of that comes down to how Red Bull structured as a business. So mm. we we always had a partnership with Red Bull first. Uh, that's why Red Bull's on our jerseys. That's why you know Red Bull supports all of our rosters. But Red Bull Racing are a different business, and whilst they carry Red Bull branding, they're their own entity. And they decided that GT was the right partner to deliver their sim racing program in in, in 2018. So um, it gets a bit confusing because we're no longer associated with one, but our partnership with the other is as strong as ever. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I can see what you mean by that for sure. But in terms of the actual drivers that are with Red Bull Racing that were with G2 and have represented this year, they've all now transitioned to red lines. So no blurred lines there. Our roster is our <laughs> roster, their yeah. roster is
0: theirs. So obviously January, new year, 2024. Um, I expect most of it's already happened, but this is a time of year when people start thinking ahead to 2024, what, what our schedule is going to be, what our plans are, what our strategies are. As a team manager at the highest level uh, in sim racing, as as you are, what's on your plate in January? As you're looking ahead to 2024, what's what are your what are you looking ahead at? So, uh,
3: I, th- I guess while everyone else is winding down in kind of I guess more traditional jobs, November, December, January for us is awful um, mm. in terms of kind of stress levels and and um, just sheer kind of weight of of what's going on um we're negotiating contracts not just with drivers but with uh, support staff uh, we're budgeting for the year um and going through kind of meetings with my superiors as to why i need what i need for the year um doing a lot of maths and a lot of spreadsheets based on uh you know what it is that we plan on entering um you get thrown obviously curveballs left right and center um, so things that you potentially are, are banking on don't necessarily manifest themselves to be what you imagined, uh, and so it, I think it's using twenty twenty three as a, a decent baseline as to what potentially will happen in twenty twenty four, but then studying really hard in terms of kind of emerging markets or using your uh, your you know knowledge or history to say okay we're anticipating that Le Mans Virtual will come back this year. We're anticipating that there's probably going to be a new SSO course or a ramp up towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking at potentially Wood Forza pre-entry sports. Uh, And so you kind of keep all of those plates spinning in a way Mm. whilst maintaining what your kind of core focus is for the year, which for us will obviously be rent sport. So it's... You're hedging your bets a little bit, but you're also putting a lot of things in in stone, like concrete. Like if I go to you know my financial controller and say this is my budget for the year based on these numbers, that is done. That's mm. in the books. That's uh, you know exactly what I'll be working with for the year. And I think that's what makes G two and, and teams like G two within sim racing quite rare, but also you know successful in general because we don't take risk we don't uh you know do things on whims it's all very uh, well thought out there is a reason and a a strategy behind it and yeah that's that's what this kind of three-month period is it's it's Mm. it's the groundwork for the hopeful success that we experience throughout the year you know people obviously tune into the twitch streams and see a tournament for two days or you know three days but there is a an awful lot that goes into into that at this point during the year
0: yeah so when you're looking at series, you've mentioned a couple there. You, you know, hypothetically, something to do with Forza, something to do with the new Assetto Corsa, for example. There's there's a lot of esports series that run, some large, some small. Um, you know, some of the larger teams do get involved with league racing, for example. When you're laying out your plan for the year, the season, um, what's your checklist when you when you look at a season as a potential season uh, as a, sorry when you look at a series as a potential series for g2 to compete in what's your checklist what does it what does it need to do for you for you to be able to commit that budget to it I think obviously
3: from a business perspective commercially um that's always a box that needs ticking immediately um you know if it's going to be something that we can pivot to and utilize our existing driver roster then it doesn't really cost the organisation much to, mm. to do that. Whereas if you look at, uh, let's say, not to pick on them, but in um, that requires a, a significant reinvestment in a different area of expertise because you can't just expect a road driver to go and be successful within in yeah. e- e- Ascot. Uh, so obviously that that comes into it. What is the initial kind of setup, uh, and you know what investment will we 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 need initially upfront to 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 make it happen? Um, but I. I I think that varies team on team i like to have quite open and honest conversations with my drivers Um, i think protecting them and managing them uh, is extremely important Uh, you know we last year for example did r1 over the course of the year and gamers 8 came out of nowhere and we'd already committed to doing sro Mm. that meant making a decision to pull out of sro Um, and obviously certain members of the roster were disappointed with that but uh, at certain points you sometimes have to kind of save them from themselves uh, just, you can take a very kind of i guess uh blasé view of sim racing or, or esports in general and think easy job you just play games for a living but it's 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 not um it, not even remotely uh, and so you know, managing them over the course of the year and making sure that they're looked after and performing at their peak across all things that we do is also a massive factor. One thing that is really interesting to me is that I think a lot of people, and there's a misconception out there that I see a lot, that prize money factors into organisation decision making. Um, it, It does, but not to the level that people think it does. You know, if Mm -hmm. there's a a million dollar prize pool for a a tournament, of course, organizations are going to be interested in fielding a stronger roster as possible. But part of good planning is not planning on what you might have, it's what you do have. Uh, And so, whilst those things are nice, they're always additionals into what I've planned throughout the year. I would like to think that, fingers crossed, (laughs) we don't do this, but if we go through an entire year and win nothing, that sim racing within G2 is still in good shape it's still responsibly run, it's still something that's going to continue into 2025 2026, so that's that's, that's the long term aim, obviously we want to win but we want to make sure that people are able to have a long term sustainable career with us as well um, so yeah there's, there's a lot that goes into choosing a series um, I think also obviously who's behind it You know, if you've got a company like ESL behind a series naturally there's a trust level there um, that what you're taking part in is going to be well promoted it's going to be well run there's going to be minimal um you know risk in terms of negative pr or press um so it all goes into kind of a a melting pot and you take it a case-by-case basis but yeah again i think going back to what i initially said a really good conversation with drivers is a good start because it means that Mm -hmm. um you're never in a situation where you feel like you're forcing drivers to do things that they don't want to do If they lead those conversations then you know theoretically they're happy and they're uh you know motivated
0: so yeah it's interesting isn't it how um the value of a driver is not just about pure pace in a given sim uh for example marketability is a good one um if you have sponsors coming on board and you want to be be creating content if you have somebody who's a little flat then okay they might be getting a few extra points per season but they're going to cost you in the in the sense that you might not be able to get as much sponsorship revenue with that driver because they're a little difficult so how much of your time is spent on making the team commercially viable not just a race winning team
3: um i think it's when you're initially kind of i guess appraising a driver or scouting drivers um you're, you're looking at everything I think I look at obviously overall pace as a, a very high scoring factor in terms of how I would uh, you know approach signing a new driver because ultimately we are a competitive esport and a results based business.
0: Yeah if you're going to have one but not the other there's only one option and that's yeah. pace with no, I don't want to say personality but no let's call it marketability you could, you, but whereas it doesn't work the other way around.
3: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah exactly Um, but then also you are looking for i guess their kind of unique selling point but that's a a really weird way of putting it i would say i look for more like what makes them tick Mm -hmm. like what what does it take for me to get the most out of freddie for example uh you know uh what is uh you know our angle with isaac um you know what what story can we tell around uh, sebastian you know these are that it it's of course a a factor i think it's less of a factor for us because we're entrenched in an organization that has a huge partner suite anyway uh and i think you know we're we're very fortunate that um you know you can see people people
0: like um you know ralph Lauren and uh it's a very cool hoodie by the way. If, you're <laughs> on, if you're listening on uh spotify make sure you get across to the youtube to have a look at this hoodie i actually didn't realize it was g2 until so about 10 minutes into this industry i was like oh my god that is the that is the most that because i was like oh that is a, a polo and Ralph hoodie but the logo is massive why is it so oh because <laughs> right g2 is in the middle of it that's very cool yeah, it's very
3: cool but yeah uh, we're, we're, we're very fortunate and i guess in a way there's less pressure on me to kind of drive those kind of things so obviously we have uh sim racing endemics like next level mm-hmm. racing um but i think to me we're still in a um a process within g2 where i'm still building sim racing to be something that sits alongside our esports hmm. um, you know g2 if you if you ask a uh, you know traditional esports fan is still well renowned for league of legends or counter-strike or rainbow six they're probably the three titles that comes to mind before anything else and i think my work is more um you know challenging the perception that sim racing is niche challenging the mm. perception that you know sim racing will never be a traditional esport or never sit alongside these titles as an equal um because i believe it can i believe it it, it will in time um so I, th- I think i've gone off on a bit of a tangent i definitely have but though that that kind of factor doesn't matter as much to me i i don't think
0: mm. interesting because i i guess because th- a lot of people say that you know e- esports drivers you need you need to tell a story but actually, part of that story is the results, and, and so okay, they, they could have the the, the the funniest Twitch channel in the world, but it's not necessarily the right story for a, a pro uh, a pro esports team. Yeah, it is interesting this the, this this role that you have as um, as a team manager for sim racing esports team. It's um it's interesting how different skills as a as a driver kind of they go, kind of go up and down in value as the market shifts. Right, so. You know, I think probably fair to say five or six years ago, you had real specialists in each, in each, um, in each title. Whereas now you start to find more drivers who are more willing to jump between one and the other. And Sebastian is a great example of that. You know, um, we had him on the podcast a few months ago and then I saw him again at the, um, at the red Bull factory. And obviously he was doing F1 and he was also doing, uh, Sport, Um, and it, something that, that jumped out at me was how his value to teams has increased because he is adaptable so for example he's doing ren sport at the moment but in in the future let's say forza announces the mother of all sim racing tournaments and we'll get onto your opinions of forza in a minute um but uh if they announce some a, a tournament um like that then you have to be able to pivot and as you said it's a lot more efficient a lot cheaper if you can just take existing drivers and but great well this calendar doesn't clash with this calendar so you can do that and you can do that great fantastic now there might be some performance loss because you're now splitting your practice time but actually when you get to those levels you know it's 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 marginal well i mean i'm making assumptions here i would say it's kind of marginal and the gains of being able to enter a whole new tournament outweigh the the marginal losses yeah
3: yeah I i think what you're saying is pretty much spot on i think you know there is definitely development in what an esports you know athlete within sim racing is from mm-hmm. you know five years ago to now um yes, sebastian's a really good example i think there are still what i would call unicorns uh, in terms of people like seb um you know jano is a, another great example marcel who uh, you know basically give a team everything in terms of being personable creating you know, a really good level of content but also having Uh, you know the x factor in terms of performance that's extremely rare um and and will continue to be extremely rare within sim racing i think for maybe the next four or five years before i think that that develops a little bit more but yeah i think yeah the the expectation is higher in terms of off the off the circuit stuff because i you know going back to our results for this year for example it's easy to look at you know an excel spreadsheet and say oh this doesn't look too great or this person hasn't performed versus this person but there's a, a a whole host of factors behind things that you know people isaac's a really good example i think isaac does not get anywhere near the amount of credit he deserves in mm. terms of sim racing circles unless people know isaac or uh, you know have, have been in a team with him he is an extremely hard worker he elevates others um he's a perfect teammate in terms of um you know his work ethic um but but also his ability to uh understand the situation for what it is and not take it personally like we had Isaac and Sebastian team together in gamers eight and despite the fact that Isaac qualified third behind Seb mm-hmm. Isaac ran that whole race not fighting uh you know playing the percentage game to ensure that Sebastian won and that we got the points yeah um that you know there's a lot to be said for a driver that
0: puts the team above all else yeah yeah no absolutely because it's you know it's it's i think um the sim racing teams are you, you you're kind of fighting for survival as well as victory right it's not like f1 in the real world or it's not like sro where the, the series will exist forever and you just want to keep pushing to the front there is an element of especially with you you, you exist within a larger organization of esports which is already hugely successful Um, I mean, it's arguable how profitable eSports is generally, but that's probably a whole different podcast. Um, But you're kind of having to justify the existence of a sim racing team within an organization like G2 eSports. And so it's G2's survival becomes more important relative to an individual driver's uh, performance or results, right? So um, I guess it's incredibly valuable to find a driver that sees that bigger picture that, okay, well, if I get these extra points here and go from let's say fifth to fourth but it means that we don't get first we only get second then there's a huge impact on you know my career going forward so yeah how hey you uh, are you looking to upgrade your sim racing gear and even your sim racing equipment well boy do we have a place for you to check out now huge shout out to our sponsor of the podcast asset if you're looking to upgrade any of your equipment This is the place to go. The highest quality literally feels like you're actually in a racing car. It's so beautiful. The equipment there, the highest quality, amazing. All the people there incredible. Assetek, huge shout out to them. Now, back to the rest of the episode. How much more difficult is it to prepare and manage an eSports team when the series you're entering is cancelled? Um... uh, That might be a leading question. (laughs)
3: Um, I think it's it's strange because in those situations you might not necessarily know it's cancelled until the preparation's Mm. over. So, you know, you approach everything, um, with the best case scenario in mind. And I think you know, if we're looking at, let's say F one as an example, um, I would do my absolute best to protect the drivers from uh as much outside noise as possible because you know in that situation you don't know if it goes ahead or it doesn't Uh, and if it does go ahead and you know you've allowed those things to affect your preparation or you've taken your foot off the gas and others haven't at this level you will be you will be shown up that we shown up for that really quickly um and so you know i don't think it affects prep at all if you don't let it um and and that's you know a really key aspect of, of managing a team and managing their expectations and their uh, you know, the 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 way they're feeling on a a one to one and as a, as a team level they mm. ultimately at that point the plan is set um that they'll have their kind of build up uh and uh you know rotor i guess uh and for them it, it's just point a to point b and you know what happens when we get there is
0: what happens which was in this case chaos (laughs) so (laughs) what 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 is happening at f1 esports from your perspective because there's a lot of rumors going around there's a lot of articles that come out there's a lot of interviews that have been done where people are kind of spilling all there's some drivers that have even broken rank and and kind of uh I was going to say moaned or, or win, but actually, that's a bit harsh. I think genuinely, like, complained for very genuine, real reasons um, on social media platforms. But from your perspective, kind of being a more managerial level, what is going on at F1 Esports right now? Um, I Sorry, think... F1 Stim Racing, I think they call it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still getting used to that myself. Um, I think,
3: obviously, first and foremost, I feel terrible for every driver and, and member of teams that have put in so much effort to, to prepare for the season um, because uh, as I alluded to earlier, it's not a simple job. It's not, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's hard work. Um, people sometimes scoff when you say esports athlete, but these guys put in a huge amount of work on and off, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the server to, to get to where they are. And, uh, you know, there's a whole network of people around them that support them. Uh, and, they're all at the moment hurting from, from this situation. You know, no one's benefiting from this, um, aside from maybe a few random people running, you know, news accounts, um, <laughs> on, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it, it's just a, it's a horrible situation because obviously again, kind of like rent Sport, but maybe more justifiably the, 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 narratives being driven from, uh, you know, the outside F1 themselves haven't really said a lot. um, well, I haven't said anything. Um, and I think
0: that causes a lot of the issue, to be honest. Um, create a vacuum that needs to be filled and correct. it's filled by those without the correct information.
2: Yeah,
3: I think this, there's, a, there's a lot of it where, you know, two plus two is equal in four and they're hitting the nail on the head. So obviously the the, the leaks are, uh, you know, working for them. But there's a lot of it that came out of nowhere that made absolutely no sense, um, but it was taken as gospel because the other leaks have been accurate. Um, so you have to be really careful what you consume on socials to be honest um you know those 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 people despite maybe not outwardly saying it oh they they have an agenda of course um Mm -hmm. they're not verified or verifiable news sites they're just random in most cases teenagers just yeah i guess you know leaking news for clout really um which is you know a sad situation to be in around a series as prominent as F one. To be honest,
0: yeah, um, I think I think I mean I, I, I don't I don't know if you are, but I think you're referring to the League Racing News or LRN uh Twitter account. And actually, I think something that I noticed uh, was when it first started breaking. And I don't really want to give too much voice to that account because I think it is run by a, a, a child who's very angry and abusive. uh So it's not something that I that I want to be involved in, but um george morgan obviously got a lot of clout um sorry is that the right word got a lot of abuse let's say for just being affiliated with it like george George was very very excited to go and commentate on the f1 sim racing series and it was cancelled and he lost out just as much as all the drivers and the teams and you know that's good for his career is good for his experience and it's it's the world that he is super passionate about and yet because he's a commentator and therefore affiliated in the minds of the the fans uh with uh f1 sim racing more so than the teams which might feel independent of it in in a way he was getting a lot of abuse and actually what he did do uh, off the back of it was start his own um news channel which 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 has been like uh the phoenix from the ashes of this of this uh situation and you know it's nice to see it's nice to see somebody take quite a quite a dire situation and be like right well how can we get something positive back out of this well I do know, you know, and in his case, he does know quite a bit about what's going on and he is, he has got some insider information So he shares it in a very positive way and he brings in people like, you know, Jessica ball and, you know, like really bringing the community together to go like, okay, well, if it's not happening, that's fine. We'll report on what we know. And actually there's WR and PSGL to go and watch and the drivers are all taking part in it and we can get behind some exciting sim racing. So there was a silver line, but obviously all of that benefits the enthusiasts as opposed to those who are paying their bills by being sim races. Yeah. I think that's the
3: underestimated part of all of this situation. And the reason that I've taken absolutely no pleasure in it, like, mm. you know, it kind of baffled me, but also maybe quite sad to see people reveling in the situation, like when people's livelihoods do depend on that series. Um, more people than you probably imagine. Um, and so, you know, I think the people that are speaking out are speaking out from a a place of passion around the series, but also from a place of you know trying to find a resolution to something. Um, yeah, it's the, the it's a, it's a really difficult situation. There's a lot of nuance, obviously, and I, I at the moment don't know if it even comes back in, in you know this this season um, from. You know, last year there's uh, from from I know been no development on, uh, you know, any calendar or any idea
0: of uh, what the what the plan is going forward. So it's a, which it's- is a little frustrating, uh, almost. You know, these are my words, not yours, but almost a little disrespectful from the series organizer to not be keeping people up to date with this very unusual situation, knowing full well how invested emotionally professionally and financially the teams are into what's going on it it strikes me as very odd that as a team manager you're not getting regular updates you'd almost want to have almost daily updates of of, you know apologies and this is what we're thinking and this is what we're going to plan and we're going to try and maybe do something here or that but to have absolutely nothing is it's uh yeah insulting
3: Uh, yeah I, i i think i'd agree with that word i think i obviously have to be careful what i say because my PR lady will probably. This, uh, this
0: is this is why I I I I, I, I shaking, appreciate boots. that you have to be very guarded. And so <laughs> I'm I'm probably trying to like get frustration out on your behalf, knowing full well that I'm not expecting you to to, to join in with me too too much. Yeah. I think I think it's not it's not that I'm not upset or angry
3: about the situation. I think everyone that's involved, or everyone that has been involved, to everyone that's you know given anything to the F1 esports series since 2017 has every right to be annoyed about the situation that it's in at mm. the moment you know, because at the moment it feels like wasted time. Um, But, see, it's not that I, I want to protect them from anything or any backlash because I don't feel like they deserve it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But also at the same time, I, I have, I, you know, relationships fact, that I, I need to maintain <laughs> and, you know, yeah, th- those yeah. kind of things. But I think my my overall kind of, I guess, appraisal of it is that it's something amazing that unfortunately at the moment is being run by someone that probably doesn't care enough uh, mm. about it or, or it's maybe they do. And maybe the people above them don't, but yeah. it's, it's just kind of a sideshow that's, uh, you know, looks to me like it's a, it's a nuisance to somebody rather than a genuine passion project or something that is seen as um, something to be proud of
0: yeah well that would be a shame given that there are thousands of people who would give their right arm for for that position let's move on let's move on uh i was going to say to happier topics but actually i wanted to ask you about forza um now you know this is where you started um this was your your you know once your obviously our discussion in our in our la- last podcast this is where it all kind of started to speed up for you started to grow that the passion developed and that oh this could be uh, a thing for me forza was where that happened it was kind of the the conception of nathan tag the sim racer right very weird phrasing but <laughs> it would add that. um so forza now forza Wedge sport uh obviously a bit of a flop um it was tip to be really exciting i went to gamescom and i, I tried it I, well i watched the, the the demo um of uh of forza before it came out and it looked stunning and i love there were loads of features in it that i loved like the um the ai influenced by your friends driving characteristics and styles was incredible i know that there's been a version of that in the in the past but the way they were explaining the updates of that i that the kind of asynchronicity of Single uh, of multiplayer experiences within the single player campaign. I was like, that is genius. The game looked incredible. There were some very very bold claims about the um, upgrades to the the physics models. The upgrades that you could do for the cars looked insane, comprehensive, um but it just didn't land. Why not?
3: Um, I think you know you've you've mentioned a lot of things there, but I, I would say probably there's a counter to every single one of them in terms of hmm. uh, you know the reason th- that it's not landed like the the promised physics changes weren't you know uh, you know we, we heard phrases like built from the ground up but it doesn't feel like that to me um it still isn't great on a wheel unless you're willing to put a decent amount of time into trying to find you know a good baseline for for settings or, or to watch a youtube video and and, and copy those um i i was having a debate with someone on 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 twitter x um and i asked i asked them a pretty i think simple question which is what has forza done to innovate in the last 10 years because when forza motorsport first came out it was genre defining it was leading it Mm. blew everyone away they were you know developing and introducing features that you know people then copied for the next ten years or people then you know refined over that period of time. But Forza Motorsport this this iteration of Forza Motorsport came along and to me did nothing. It just mm. it just released and it and it was. There's nothing there that sets it apart from other games. In fact I think you could probably make an argument that everything that Forza does, to another game somewhere along the line does it better. And I just think to myself they've had six years to, to sit and look at this and, and think you know what do we want it to be and they've released it and they don't know what it is and and as a result no one else really does is it a hardcore motorsport game uh you know is it uh somewhere that people come as communities to, to gather together in a shared passion for cars is you know what what is it um i i just think it's a gigantic monument to compromise like it does everything
0: but nothing at the same time which is a shame because it has one of the most fanatical fan bases ever there's so many people that have such strong emotional connections to forza because obviously the franchise goes way back to when you and i were probably at primary school playing on the uh, the xbox and you know it's um it it is a shame for it to kind of flop uh, in this way and of course it's always going to be compared side by side with sony interactives uh gran turismo which actually is a pretty decent game it's 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 not everyone's cup of tea but i would say if you put it side by side with forza it's head and shoulders above yeah
3: i mean th- that's the direct comparison isn't it like there's there's not really a game or, or a, a simk title that exists outside of those two really mm. um that that is comparable uh and so, when again, after a six-year development period, you release something that's pretty pretty miles off in terms of, you know, what the other the other camp are doing, then you know, you're asking for trouble. And I think I said it again on on socials: if 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 Sony somehow you know saw the saw the wood through the trees and decided that they wanted to go down the route of cross-platform functionality and open up Gran Turismo to Steam, uh, that that game would take over the world. I'm sure of it, uh, and and. You know, mm. The 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 need for a title like Forza Motorsport would
0: would no longer be. So, it's a really it's a really good point actually. The only reason I don't play Gran Turismo is because my PlayStation is usually set up downstairs because I play Jackbox when friends come over after the pub or you know sit and play No Man's Sky uh, just on the couch in a really relaxed setting and I yeah. just can't bother to bring it up and plug it into the rig. But if it was on Steam, God, I'd play it all the time. Yeah, I think
3: something like that would be transformational for sim racing in general because it's a perfect gateway. Mm. Like it, it takes people like you know you and I who were playing you know racing games as youngsters, and you know shows them what what else is out there. Halfway, yeah. Mm. Um, not saying that Gran Turismo isn't a great game in its own right, and people can stay there and be content with that for 20, 25 years, whatever. Like as it's fantastic. They have, fantastic. They have <laughs> yeah. And it has a you know a thriving esports kind of seen itself within itself um but that being available to people through a wider platform than just playstation would would change the Mm. game
0: i think what do you think so just to just to kind of finish off on forza before i I realize that there's been a lot of bad news i guess that we've discussed in this episode and i want to finish on what you're excited about for the next 12 months but just to finish up on um the discussion about forza What's the key thing it needs to, to work on to regain the community's trust? And the the reason and the context for this question, um, at, which reminds me, we need to go through our community questions because we've got a lot. Um, so before this show, uh, myself, Rana Coolsign, George George Morgan got together and we were discussing what had been going on that week. Um, and uh, Forza um, was brought up and something that uh, Rana Coulson said was, is it? Is it going for the kind of no man's sky approach? No man's sky obviously came out a few years ago, and it was okay. Big hype, flatlined a little bit, but the updates have been so fast and so significant, and so um, so complementary to the user experience that actually there's there's a real growing user base of, of this game well after the release. And and I made the argument that perhaps in in um in nowadays um gaming studios are taking lessons from tech companies where they are releasing and i'm not saying that forza is an mvp but earlier stage versions of their game to see how the community responds to it and then double down on the bits that people like and and maybe shy away from the things that people are less interested in so they're kind of essentially launching at a, a beta phase so what used to be called alpha is that beta and beta is the release so that that was kind of my theory what's what's your thoughts um th-
3: there's obviously a, a lot to be said for those kind of strategies no man's sky is a really good example but boulder's gate as well you know one game of the year last year um but that's been floating around for two three years now and was absolutely atrocious when i first played it <laughs> um so th- 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 there can be that and you know forza is not beyond redemption it's not you know, a complete, mm-hmm. you know, steaming pile of awful, it's it, it, you know, <laughs> there is still something there which is probably why people are so passionate about it Um, I, I just think it needs somebody to take it by the scruff of the neck and decide what it is that it actually wants to accomplish as a base level, mm. uh, if it wants to be a, you know, a, a sim racing game with, you know, features similar to an iRacing, then do it don't spend an insane amount of development time, or six years of development time you know, me i'm sorry obviously it's a feature that you said you were quite excited for but don't waste six years making you know ai driver tiles based on you know what mm. your friends are doing that's what multiplayer's is for yeah uh, you know, single player just just play career against ai that's that's fine whatever yeah. and cause, because there is significant resource i think within forza specifically that unfortunately is mismanaged and dedicated to creating things that nobody ever asked for you know, interesting an overwhelming amount of feedback over the years about key things that forza was was well known for previously in terms of you know marketplaces and auction houses and you know forza 2 had tournaments built into the game like that was crazy that was so yeah. far ahead of its time <laughs> and then they just decided you know what sack that off let's do drivatars and let's do uh god knows i don't know but so many just random features that nobody ever asked for or created
0: yeah yeah no, that's a really interesting take actually it's a really interesting take i think what i liked about the driver class system is that it was innovative we i'd heard of it before but it was interesting to me that they were doubling down on this feature i'd seen a bit of a trend in the increase of asynchronous gaming where people are so busy they can't always get together with their friends so how do you get friends to play together when they're not online at the same time so but yeah really interesting now i have just seen the time and my goodness we've got like three minutes right um so i'm going to rattle through our community questions we need nice short punchy answers so question one is from a guy called Jardier. Jard, Jard, Jardier. so how slow. do you pick new drivers for big esports teams um i think we touched on that earlier in the episode
3: to to be fair so relatively simple one but there's a lot of factors um overall pace i think people probably don't realize that as managers we watch a, we watch a lot more esports than you think
0: we do Okay. That, okay. That, well, well, that was concise. Okay, good. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> nice. Next. Uh, so this one is actually from um, the marketing manager at Gridfinder, uh, Liam, and he doesn't often submit questions. So uh, he asked, what's been your favorite memory from the esports competitions themselves? The, the, so Liam is a huge CS fan, right? And he loves the stadium style esports. That's probably where that question is coming from. Yeah. Um,
3: I was very, very fortunate in Katowice to watch G2 lift the trophy from next to the trophy. Um, that was a very, very eye-opening moment and kind of gave me mm. a, a lot of fire to, to make sure that one day something that I lead is is competing in something of that
0: magnitude and we're winning. Nice. Okay. Um, so, Random Callsite asks, what do you think about Gunter Steiner leading Haas? Um, I actually opened an article to see what Haas said when they
3: first entered F1 because I mm-hmm. you know I wanted to judge him based on what the goals were you know what what Jean was saying when they first entered um if you look back at the time that Gunter's been in f1 as much as he's a great personality and he's probably brought a lot of attention to hass in terms of you know media that that team as horrible as it sound might as well have not existed because they've not they've not done anything like what 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 can they take away from that period of time
0: in terms of t- tangible results, yeah, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> to be honest, other than entertainment and other than playing a great part in Drive to Survive, which arguably led to a huge surge in the number of fans, it's probably done a huge favour for F1 as a sport, but maybe not so much for Gene Haas himself. Yeah, there's probably a lot okay, of uh, broadcasters out there now rubbing their hands that he's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, he would be great. On imagine him on uh, doing the grid walk. Günther steiner gridwall now that is something that I would pay to watch final question from George Morgan how do you feel the ESL R1 championship panned out from a manager's perspective Um, I enjoyed it there's obviously a lot that needs to be tweaked and adjusted
3: Uh, but for a first year and a first effort it was very good I think obviously the expectations were high and probably it was judged a bit more harshly as a result Uh, especially with kind of the negative discourse around Rensport itself in general Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm relatively content with, with where it's at.
0: Great. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for your time again. I really appreciate you coming onto the show for a second time. Um, and good luck with all of your races in 2024. And for anybody listening, if you're, if you're ever looking for some well-informed, well-balanced, insider, Takes on sim racing, esports, racing games. Make sure you go and follow Nathan Tag on Twitter. Probably one of my favorite accounts. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll chat soon. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it, guys.